<laughs> Hello and welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the indecipherable, marvelous Mike Dudley. Joined as always by my co-host, cohort, younger brother, MD3 Marcus Dudley checking in on y'all. What is going on out there in podcast land? Thank you so much for taking the time to let us be a part of your ear situation today. Uh, we are broadcasting live from nowhere else but the What You Been Watching studios in Tallahassee, Florida, in the Wakulla Basin. So, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. How are you, my brother? I'm doing quite well, sir. Quite Cannot well, complain. he says. Yeah. I just started my bottle of Cavathier, so I am ready to we begin. ready, ready, ready to begin, it sounds like. Got Call your... me for all your romantic queries. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please also... Speaking of romantic queries, you can find us at whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com. Please actually for real do send us romantic queries. I would love nothing more Please. than to do a love line episode of Whatcha Been Watching <laughs> where we don't talk about movies. Or we just give you advice based on movies that we've seen. Right, right. Like right. in that one movie, have you ever tried going on a date with this girl and having your buddy in a van with an earpiece and letting shenanigans ensue? Have you tried putting her down a well? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be a great one. So yeah, please send all your uh, romantic queries to what you've been watching podcast at gmail dot com. Big shout out to Kesta for the lovely song "Always Bright." My brother, where else can they find us? They can find us at facebook dot com slash Dudley Bros Podcast, or just search the World Wide Web's for what you've been watching and look for the uh, colorful, wondrous, glorious banner done by M K Dudley Art. I will say it is a very very cool thing when i can just type in what you've been watching podcasts on google and a bunch of opportunities show up to mm -hmm. uh for us to listen i didn't even know there was that many podcast vehicles out there podcast.com and the rsss's of the world and the google we're on them all we're on yeah. spotify google. itunes google play i mean yeah. come on man we're, we're out there you we're guys doing, can reach us we're doing a big so oh man to the legion yes sir so how are you though man you said you're doing fantastic um what brings about your fantastic Oh, uh, so yesterday I was hiking in the woods and uh, I got attacked by a bobcat and then I like transformed into a robot and I fought that shit. It was pretty dope. That's pretty cool. No, not really. We're Damn. just we're just doing okay at work and I oh, yeah. I just always answer with a stupid work answer and I felt the need to zhuzh it up a little bit. But I appreciate I lie. that. No, I appreciate. You. I think I went too far with the robot. I mean, it was plausible. <laughs> it was plausible. Either the robot or the bobcat, but not both. Ah, see. So, but yeah, and by the way, you missed out on an opportunity to say a big ass jungle cat. <laughs> That's where I would have gone with it because I like saying that as often as possible. When big I ass get, spotted panther. Big ass. <laughs> Everything's a puma to me. I don't know. Just because it's fun to say. It's like, yeah, long story. Yard puma is fun to say. What kind of house you got? I got a big ass yard puma. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you trying to spice it up besides just because we get lame and fucking our life when we get over 30 is just work find something to avoid work work find something to avoid work yep. which is what brought us here today to this table so um i've been doing really well myself i would love to tell you the reasons as to why but nobody cares as much as they do about this next million dollar question my brother my friend without any further ado the legions we all want to know myself included what you've been watching my guy brother uh we at had an interesting experience. We recently got to experience the once a year Royal Rumble, sir. Oh, wait then. Unofficial segment. What you been watching, aka how you been sporting, is what we'll call this. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to our 
mini mini episode called "What You Been Wrestling." Yeah, we got what you've been playing. We got, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Royal Rumble. How dude. you been sporting? It was fun, dude. It was it was it was a blast. Uh, we had a I had a bunch of people over to the house. We ordered ordered some uh, Sonny's real pit barbecue from the musical Sonny's itself. Pulled pork. Pulled pork. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. There's your self-referential uh, bingo card. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. Uh, it was it was really good to get together with um, not only you know Glenn, who's a, a serious wrestling fan like myself, but also with you know uh, you were there and you're at best a casual fan. You know yeah. Matthew and 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 Adrian who are you know, not fans really at all. Uh, Liz got to experience wrestling for the first time, plus uh, Ryan and his girlfriend. Uh, Jen, yes. Jen, that's right, that's right. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, I've always enjoyed the Royal Rumble because, like, anything can happen. You know, like, anybody from any period of history could show up. They could have Sergeant Slaughter come down to the ring, Iron Sheik, you know, any of the old school uh, favorites that you grew up with. Plus, it's a really good excuse to get to understand and know new characters and and people you've never seen before. So even if you've never watched any of WWE before, the Royal Rumble is a really good place to start because they're going to introduce, you know, 30 people, you know, 60 people on the roster at any given point. So uh, you will get to understand and, and under and, and learn who these people are in the brief moments that you have with them, because typically they'll run down the ring. They'll, do whatever shit they require as far as their finisher, their special move, whatever, and then they get pitched out, and we're on to the next one. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, it was actually enjoyable. I think we had one of our second, maybe third episode. We talked about the Royal Rumble last year, mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyable, really enjoyable once again. I liked last year's a, a bit better. Um, is that because of Rick Boogs? Yeah, Rick Boogs is my guy. <laughs> Rick Boogs was my guy. But the uh, the women's Royal Rumble was really good too. Um, Rhea Ripley went wire to wire, I guess, was the first female in WWE history to go to enter at number one and and outlast twenty nine other stars. Yep. Yeah. Only, was... only done by three other uh, wrestlers in history. Who are they, Michael? Uh, first one was Shawn Michaels. Okay. Second one was name redacted. Right. <laughs> and the third was Edge. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was what Edge was like two years ago, three years ago? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So an elite cabinet of, of a very exclusive club that yeah. uh, Rhea Ripley She joined. deserves it because, I mean, Mama's been on a, on a rising star lately. So And she's super talented. She's got a great look. She's pretty decent on the microphone. You know, I, I buy her as a legitimate, like, fighter. So I, I love it. I, I think more of her, less of everything else. Except there wasn't 30 fighters in the Royal Rumble because Rey Mysterio didn't show up. That's true. So there was only 29. Technically. So we gypped a wrestler, a wrestler as it were. <laughs> but they story, like they kayfabe explained that away by saying that uh, he had been injured uh, the night before in an accident, quote unquote. Oh. Uh, Dominic Mysterio, mm-hmm. you dog you. Yeah, so. Yeah, I didn't know that. They didn't say any of that during the Rumble, but. Oh, I mean, they did. It was it was literally like a throw. It was like one line. If you didn't if you didn't hear it, you missed it. But yeah. no, I uh, I know you were very upset by Pat McAfee doing commentating. Just, What's your beef with the guy? I I don't I like him. Uh, maybe it's because I'm from the football world, but he's just he's the me of commentary. Just he's loud and obnoxious and doesn't add anything to the conversation. And... Maybe that's why I like him. <laughs> too much of you, maybe from you, is. 
<laughs> I just, yeah, I, I can't. Every time he opens his mouth, I just want to be like, that added nothing. You shut up, Meg. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like him. He's doing his thing, man. Oh. He seems to have found his niche, man. Like, like replacing him on college uh, game day with like Lee Corso and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the new version of that. He's... See, and see, maybe that's my problem. Is how are you going to go from Lee Corso to Pat McAfee? I get How it. Do you, I don't. I do in a Lee weird Corso way. Lee Corso has weight, has more personality in his left nut than Pat McAfee has in his entire body. You don't like his the Pat McAfee show on? I I, I can't say I've sat down and watched it, but if it's anything like his commentary, I'm gonna hate it. He's pretty knowledgeable on football and such, but he also dabbles into other stuff, and he's he pretty also, pretty he good. Also just strikes me as a doucher. He might actually accept that crown. I don't know. Though, <laughs> yeah, I just know you were super fired up about it. I didn't think he did a good job in terms of wrestling commentary, but, I mean, wrestling commentary, I don't know the skill set. It's all kind of superfluous. There's usually some opinionated person going, well, I don't like this guy for this reason. Sure. And, and the other person does, and then there's one person that just calls the match as it goes. like, Which is a great dynamic, yeah. but he didn't do any of that. He yeah. was just like, my God, that, I can't believe what I'm seeing now. <laughs> Yeah, that was my Pat McAfee. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely on the bingo card now. <laughs> um, shit, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I but for real, as a, as a mediocre wrestling fan, I actually, I enjoyed the Raw Rumble, man. Um, what was the one chick's name? Something Stark? Um, her last name was Stark, is the reason oh, I liked it. Uh, oh, it, it's a new person. I don't remember. Uh, Melissa Stark? It doesn't sound right, but still. Nope. Either way, whatever your last name is. Katie Stark, Stark, Missy Stark. I don't know. Your last name was Stark, and I was rooting for you. So. Tony Stark with an I? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. I don't know. But I was rooting for you, though. You, you were doing your thing. You were taking some blows out there, doing your thing. Whoever came out dressed like Rufio, also. Z, whatever her name was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was her name? Z Lang? Uh, Zia Lee. Zia Lee, yeah. Yeah. Dressed like Rufio, and I was all about that. Oh, and then uh, Zelina Vega came dressed out as... Uh, the new chick from Street Fighter Six. Chi- That's right. I don't know her name yet, but I will. Um, no, yeah, was- we were just talking about Street Fighter Six, and as soon as she showed up, you were like, See, I told I you! I told you Street Fighter Six. I've been watching some of it. But no, I enjoyed it, man. Anytime you get a good cosplay wrestling action, I'm mm-hmm. all about it. Now, if somebody can actually just dress up as Ryu and just do a Hadouken for real or a, a Dragon Punch, I'm all about it. <laughs> But no, it's it's always interesting to watch, man. You were talking about how anybody could show up. Booker T showed up. Yeah. And you called it exactly. You're like, he's going to do this, and then he's going to play the hits, and then he's going to get tossed out. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. He came out, called some people sucker. <laughs> did a, uh, the, the axe kick thing that he does. A little spin-a-rooney action. Spin-a-rooney action. A little uh, bookend action. Yes, sir. Did the and bookend. And then hucked over the ropes. And that's what it was. But we were happy to see him for a that's little bit. That's it. That's it. That's. I mean, it's like going and see, like... You know, it's like going to see Motley Crue now. Like, oh, like, I really hope that they play Home Sweet Home and Girls, Girls, Girls. Like, I don't want them to see them play this, this shit off their new album. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. If you'll bear with us while we play some stuff off our new album and everyone goes <laughs> to get a beer refill. Right, right. Like, right. don't announce that next time. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to go get a beer. Call me when they do Shout at the Devil. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw the Temptations. They go, we're going to sing some stuff off our new album. And that's literally what happened. <laughs> I <laughs> play my girl again, please. <laughs> you can just do it over and over. Their catalog is so fucking thick, though. Like, don't play new shit. I get what you're trying to do, but just right. you know what we want to hear, right. damn it. So, just my imagination, all the confusion, my girl. Just my imagination <laughs> is one of my favorite songs of all time. Me too. It is so good. Eddie Kendrick is the man. So, 
Um, so yeah, uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, as a as a passing fan, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate you hosting it. Brought some pizzas for everybody, some uh, delicious 40-ounce beverages, which I don't partake in anymore. But I was in Georgia. As those who know, we don't sell 40-ounce beers. Unfortunately. Get a bunch of 32s or a bunch of 16 ounces. Can get a 24-pack, but not a 30. You, but you can it. buy as many 24-packs as you can I, and I put them in a... Because apparently 32 ounces is the exact legal limit it's stupid. to my intoxication. So I was in Georgia. I think it. they're underselling my ability to get intoxicated. I fully agree. and I want bang for my buck is what I want. I was, so, yeah, I was in a gas station one time, and I had like eight bucks to my name. It was the most math I've ever done in my life, but I was going <laughs> to figure out how much alcohol percentage on average per volume I could get with that eight dollars. It was the most math I'd ever done in a single setting. <laughs> all of a sudden, you turned into Russell Crowe from "It's a Beautiful Mind." I did, bro. I did. I was all over the map. I was, yeah, it was great. It worked though. Got hammered for like to have some change left. Forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, we had forty ounces uh, that I was in Georgia, so I picked up for Michael and everybody. But uh, I had a good time, though, man. Hope to look forward to doing it again next year. Yeah. So, to continue how you've been sporting. Uh, how them birds doing, sir? Oh, my God. The Eagles are going <laughs> I saw it coming. To you're, you're flapping your arms so subtly. <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> I am so excited. I asked Chris. Eagles fly. Yep, on the road to victory. I don't know the rest of You could the probably lyrics. figure them out. We're going to roll down the field and fight for our team. So fly, Eagles, fly. Caca. E-A-G-L-E. That was pretty close. Okay. That was about 90% of it, actually. Right. Not bad. And you hit all the high notes. <laughs> Thematically, it was a 10 out of 10. I mean, the things that they say, it's all about scoring a touchdown, going out. Yeah, you got it. You figured it out. But no, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of shit talking out there on my team, and I don't appreciate that. Do not <laughs> send. Down. Calm down. I'm do not send none of that shit into what you've been watching. Uh-uh. I will ban don't your IP it. address from listening. You send me that bullshit. <laughs> and damn it, these are professional athletes. I don't. It's a cakewalk schedule. Eat a dick, professionally. <laughs> and I'm not usually the one to have outbursts on this show, <laughs> but I'll tell you that right now. That's from the heart. You see a dick, you eat that shit. If you talk bad about my birds going to the Super Bowl, they win. Because they going because they're champions. That's why they're going. And we'll see how it plays out. I don't want to talk too much shit because okay, good. But no, I'm very excited, man. That's why we play. When they lose, it's all gonna roll back on you. It will, dude. It happens, anyways. People, people I don't even talk to. They just happen to know I'm an Eagles fan or hitting me up with like Eagles memes. I'm like, you talk to me never. Like, I've talked to you three times in eight years. Like, right, cool. Right. Now fuck my team and me. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Hope your kids are doing well. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one of our aunts was like, you're the, uh, Aunt Cricket was like, you're the sole reason I was happy for the Eagles W. I go, I'm also the sole reason that some people are probably angry that they won today, too. So I'm glad I got one. Oh, he'll be insufferable now. There'll be no stopping him. <laughs> oh, I'll get off it. I'll get off it. Um, but yes, very excited about that. You guys will hear it on the next episode of What You've Been Watching. The outcome of said game. All right. I don't even know who they're going against, but I wish them nothing but the best. The Kansas City Chefs, I believe. The Chefs? Yeah. Great Googling movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's enough out of that. That's our segment of AKA How You Been Sporting. Uh, my brother, what you been watching though, man? Because I think we got uh, we have lined up, we have done actually homework together on one of these things. And we've watched some similar things, I believe. This is true. This is true. Uh, first off, we started off with the well, first, first of off. <laughs> the first, first off, we started off with The Last of Us. Uh, Fucking hell! Yeah, uh, on the, the HBO streaming service. Uh, I'd never played the video game, so I have zero like knowledge of where this story goes. But 
I'm already completely enchanted with this. Pedro Pascal is once again just amazing in everything he does. And uh, what's her name? Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey, that's it. Who you might know as Lina Mormont, the, the bear girl from Game of Thrones. I know that means nothing to you, but nope. people right now are losing their minds going like, really, bear girls in this? Like, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, you said Stark earlier. I said Stark earlier. That's the only thing I know is there's an Arya Stark and there's a Winter King or something. I don't know. I don't know. Battle of Snowfell, some shit. I don't know. Mount Doom. <laughs> It's like Dungeons and Dragons, but with way more tits and incest. I know. I get it. <laughs> I, I probably would like it. But no, Last of Us, though, man. I, I am with you on that one. I have never played the video game. Um, obviously, I have some familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. As many video game consoles as I have, um, I'm kind of lacking in some of the newer ones. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. an Xbox One or an Xbox One X or S. I do not have a PlayStation 3, 4, or 5. Yep. But So I've never played The Last of Us. I've not played a lot of the the. The Sony consoles have kind of escaped me recently. I had an Xbox 360 was the most recent one I had on that. But I'm actually thinking of, like, if I ever get a little bit of, like, fuck you money, I might just go buy an old PS3 just so I can play, like, the Spider-Man and you gotta the Last of You got to be P4 for that one. Okay. Well, Either I mean, way, still, yeah. even at that point, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost bought a... find a refurbished piece of shit that I'm just going to run three games on anyway. I almost bought a PS5 the other day, but I would have... Not been able to go home. <laughs> it's like eight hundred bucks. You bought to... what? Yeah. Uh, also, I got another dog. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if I came home with a PS Five and another dog, I might be able to get away with it. It's a good plan, actually. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. Call me for all your romantic queries. Yeah, exactly. No, that's why you need to send them to Michael when he gets drunk. These romantic and interests. Um, but no, I've never played the game though. Um, and dude, I am so enthralled with this series. Yeah. It is so fucking good. And. Uh, Give, give me the basic uh, the basic rundown as far as like plot. So it's it's ultimately like a, a post apocalyptic kind of show. Sure. And what happens is ultimately Pedro Pascal is a I, I think he's a retired marine of some kind. Uh, I think he's a marine. Yeah. yeah in one of the Gulf Wars or something. Yeah. In one of the Gulf Wars, I believe. And um, he is living his life in Texas, of course. And um, without fail, there's there's this old lady next door who has been kind of like almost comatose like they're like feeding her soup because she can't move and everything like that yeah. and that's that's their neighbor she's like advanced alzheimer's yeah whatever it might or something. be yeah and um his daughter like have a good relationship whatever and um ultimately what happens is you find out that the old lady who lived next door who hangs out with pedro pascal and his daughter and his brother who the, the daughter's uncle whatever She's been infected by this fungus, as have many other people on the planet. Right. It, it's basically it's, like... What is it? It's like the Walking Dead, but instead of zombies, it's... I think it's called cordyceps? Cordyceps, yeah. Yeah, which is this this fungus... Which that, is the... You know how, like, there's peanut butter crunch, and then there's, like, Captain Crunch with crunch berries? Uh-huh. It's like the, that version of Cenobites. Cordyceps. <laughs> cordyceps. Cordyceps. <laughs> no, with cordyceps. Well, that's like a topical gel, cordyceps would be. <laughs> Yeah, cordyceps, your topical gel. That's right. Uh, but ba- so basically, it's based on a real life fungus that infects uh, insects and causes them to act strangely. Like it, it essentially takes over the mind of the insect. And so the whole plot of the of the series is this fungus has now evolved to be able to infect humans. Yep, pretty much. And um, yeah, pretty much. So, the so instead whole- of zombies, it's like plant people. Yeah, and it, it goes all off at once. Whatever activates it, activates it all at once, and planes start falling out of the sky, and this and that and the third. And um, 
and then all hell breaks loose. And ultimately what happens is, is Pedro Pascal, his brother, and his daughter try to escape the city. And what happens is, is uh, they run across a Marine. And the Marine, you hear him say, all right, stop. He's like, hey, hey, we're not sick, we're not sick, we're not sick. He says it a bunch of times. And then you hear the Marine kind of go on his radio. He's like, you guys stay right there. You hear him whisper something. He's like, sir, are you are you sure? Are you sure? Right. And already you can tell you can some tell something. Going she down. just got some bad news. And the Marine turns the flashlight on Pedro Pascal and his daughter at the time and opens fire and mm-hmm. um, kills. You know, his character's name is Joel. Joel. Yeah, yes. Joel. Yeah, Joel. Joel survives, but his daughter takes some some bullets uh, yeah. right when he's about the Marines about to kill Joel. His brother shows back up and kills the Marine with yeah. a sniper rifle. Right, and, right, right. Then it fast forwards to 20 years later, and it is a post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. There's the quarantine world, zones. Yeah, the entire world is run over by this fungus, this cordyceps. Uh, they have quarantine zones set up in major cities like Boston and yep. Baltimore, and I think they mentioned Seattle. I think uh, there's a out west. They just said. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think Wichita or one they mentioned. Whatever. Yeah, it is. it's basically like Escape from New York kind of yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, and it's uh it's fucked up though, man. Like. The, the government's way. become this like tyrannical, like almost totalitarian, fascist, yeah, totalitarian, yeah, fascist Nazis. regime. Uh, it's crazy though, man. It's the world building in itself. It doesn't sound anything special. But when you start watching the show, you really feel it, man. At least I did. I was like, this is something like different, they, new. They they do a really good job of immersing you in the world and making it feel all believable. Yes. Um, you know, like like. They're walking through the streets of, of Boston and there's just, you know, like signs everywhere saying obey, notice signs of cordyceps infection, follow protocol, this, you know, this, that, the other, report any infections, it's up to you. Very, very like, very propaganda-like materials just supposed to direct your mind into obey, conform, Everybody get along, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're handing out like work rations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And right, money's gone away, so now it's just tokens, basically. Pretty as far much. As, like you can trade them in for goods and services, or like food rations or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty fucking tough. And you see these little spray painted things everywhere called fireflies. Uh, it's like a graffiti kind of, but it's like the underground resistance movement or whatever. And we come to find out that they are holding on to a a little girl, uh, Ellie, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Um. Played by Bella Ramsey. And initially they don't tell you this, but she's just chained to some radiator somewhere. And they walk in and they ask her her name, everything like that. They say, oh, it's been three days now and you're going to let me go. Find out that she has been bitten mm-hmm. and has not transformed into one of the cordyceps yet. So she might be the hope for a cure. Right, right. That's that's the world pretty much. And that's, that's what, we're only three episodes in because there's only been three that have been released yet. Um... But man, is it fucking good. The writing is so good. Very tight, very very dramatic. It it does a really good job of giving you just enough information to keep you interested and then denying you the rest of the information to keep you hanging on, but it never goes too far without explaining the next step. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. It's, it's like you know how some things like like some shows will will give you just dump. Yeah, or, or or they'll give you just enough to where you're interested, and then they never explain it again until the very, very end, and you're like, well... Too much at the end, yeah. Right, right. This one walks to you at a good pace through right, it. Right, right. Um, which, uh, ironically enough, I, I don't know who exactly who wrote it. I know that the showrunner is the guy that did Chernobyl. Um, yeah. 
What's his name? Greg Spence, I think his name yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's fucking really talented. I didn't know this guy. I've never seen Chernobyl, but apparently it's a fucking really good show. Really dark, but... It is really... I mean, it's based on the... I want to say 1986-85 accident, the Chernobyl explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's a really harrowing, like, really good tale. There's there's a scene literally to where they they go into a first person per, a first person view of one of the cats that's basically recruited to remove some of the debris from the from the uh, uh, explosion, and they give them the basic instructions of like you put on your suit in this room. Once we open the door, you have three minutes. You have very specific areas that you have to clean. So like everybody knows beforehand, like I am going to go pick up that rock or right, right. I'm going to go pick up that piece of concrete or that piece of rebar or whatever. And so you go do that. You bring it back here. You unzip your suit. We spray you down. You get back in line. And then in six hours, if you're not contaminated, we do it again. And it's this whole first person view of this little like 19 year old kid running to pick up this huge piece of concrete and carry it back in a wheelbarrow and wheelbarrow keeps tipping over and he's like keeping track of his watch and they're like if you don't make it in three minutes you're contaminated and we're gonna lock you out because you have radiation poisoning and so like he makes it back just in time and then spoiler alert he looks down and sees that there's a tiny little tear like right at his ankle oh yeah so it's this it's this it's this really really thrilling shot shot all like pretty much all in first person that really drops you into the environment holy shit ramps up the emotion so yeah so it sounds like the guy knows what he's doing yeah 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 yeah, exactly that's awesome oh um so yeah but i'll say this again i don't know who wrote what i know it's based off of a the naughty dog uh development studios Mm -hmm. for playstation um the way I was saying that, like they walk you and they give you the information like you were saying as it comes it's almost paced like a fucking video game where it's right. like we're gonna do this and that in the third we're gonna give you just enough information to get you through yeah. the next save point yeah you got 40 hours to do it and you can tell that and I've always been told that The Last of Us while I've never played it the all around general like consensus of people that I know is one fucking play it immediately and two right. it really does blur the line of like interactive storytelling and so I think that they really are trying to capture that. Sure. Because there are certain scenes, and as, as a person who's fancied themselves a gamer and played many a games in my life, especially survival horror, um, there are scenes in like setups and uh, stages, uh, what, what am I looking for, like design, um, mm-hmm. locations, stuff like that, um, or sound, sound stages or whatever that they've built, that are built just like a fucking video game. Oh yeah! Like when they eventually they you know spoiler they get out of the the Boston uh, museum. Well, hang on. First off, we're gonna spoil this a lot. At least the first episode. <laughs> so go watch them if you haven't. Okay, good show, right? Right. Cool. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um. So they leave Boston, the quarantine zone, and they're like they kind of when you first open up the door or whatever, it's like into like a junkyard. I've always wondered why in video games you'll be like in a junkyard and there'll be a school bus blocking your path, but then there's like a little like a sewer tunnel. That's like underneath it and this and that and the third. And it doesn't make any sense in a video game because you're like, no, the real world is not set up like this. Sure. They did a really good job of being like, oh, sneak here, then run behind the school bus, then do this, and then duck down here, and then round this corner. Right. And it was built like a fucking video game. Yeah, and I, very I much. could tell it. I was like, they whatever level design they made, they must have used some of that as um, like, like a, a basis. Yeah. Like a basis yeah. being like, hey, this is what we want it to look like. Same thing later in episode three, uh, which we will be talking about episode three here. Trust me. There's a scene where these people are holding off these raiders from uh, coming through this this chain link fence. 
and around it, so you're in this giant square, all right, like a town square. Right. And around it, they've set up flamethrowers out of gas pipelines. And so oh, and trip wires. Yeah, and trip wires. So it's lit up yeah. like every about 10 or 15 feet, there's a ball of fire. And it's pouring down rain, and you come out and you see a guy taking shots at people from the other side of the fence. And in my mind, I'm like, this is a fucking video game level. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. exactly like right. where a big boss would come crashing right. through the gate. Right. And behind the killer, to... he's going to shoot at you. you got to dodge the bullets. Yeah. you got to run behind the truck. you got to yeah. go pick up the dude. He dropped his gun, so you got to go back and pick up the gun. Like, it's very much set up in terms of, like, fast-paced, action-oriented video game where you have to make decisions. Yeah, and, not, and I don't mean, like... The, the plot structure and the way it happens doesn't play like a video game, but like the actual setup, you're like, this is a point where I would see oh, no, you, I, a I, giant I, cordyceps crashing through the gate, right, or right. like the military comes by in a bulldozer, we're like, we're getting your supplies, and it's up to you and your new friend, your non-playable character, to sit right. there and hold them off. Like it's set up just like that, and I found myself saying that constantly throughout the show. Like they definitely pulled from the source material in all the right ways. And that's what we want, personally, as anybody who's a fan of video game adaptations, comic book adaptations, whether it be The Walking Dead, why that show had so much longevity, is they do, they do, there's two things I want to talk about, and they do them both very well. One, and Speak this, on a sign. this is what they talked about, if you hang out and watch the, after the credits roll, there's some information that the, the uh, creators of the show, The Last of Us, talk about. And they say, if we come up with an idea for something, and it's better than the video game, then we go with that. Right. Well, as long as it honors the theme of what of what we're going for, we go with that. If we can't think of anything better, why change it? Right. 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 All things being equal, go with the thing. Yeah. That go works with the already. thing that works already. The thing which that's... and we and we've talked about with you know Marvel. That's their whole basis is what works in these comic books. What makes people so attracted to them? Why are these the things that you know are the perennial favorites year after year right. after year? And just do that because. It works. Why change the recipe? You know, like, yeah, you can put your own spin on it and, oh, I added a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But like the core structure of what it is, is the same tried, tested, true version that people have come to love. Right. It's like if you order Marsala, it's going to have alcohol cooked out of it. You know, it's a Marsala wine sauce. Like, don't be like, oh, this is my spin on Marsala. Like, bro, this is fucking... Bolognese. It's a it's a completely <laughs> different thing. Like, don't call it that. You know. Ooh, look who got all know, fancy right? on the menu. I know, right? Um, hey, see what you did there. Plug, plug. Um, but no, so they do that very well. Is they know when to when to hold them, when to fold them, as it were. Right, right. And the other thing that they do, and this is why I think The Walking Dead worked so well, and why a lot of the the most recent Marvel as a whole has worked, is that um, what works so well for them is the fact that yes they do stay true to the source material but like the walking dead it wasn't a one-for-one take of the comic book itself right because if you want that go read the book right you know that's why i don't mind when creatives take liberties in a new medium they're like dude if you want to just see the last of us on go to youtube and find some channel who all they do is play games go to twitch right and you can watch somebody play through the last of us so So the people that have played the game can still have interest in it right? because there's enough differences that you're like, oh, I didn't know how they're going to get this way. Same with The Walking Dead. like uh, Certain people die in Die much books. sooner and, right. or much later in the books than they do the show and vice versa. Right. So it's certain people lived and certain people didn't. Like yeah. It, 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 the, I, I enjoyed the comic book a lot and... Like you said, the thing that kept me interested in the show was I didn't know how the show was going to turn out because it was... 
just different enough from the comic books. Like I knew all the, the basic key points that they were going to get to. I knew that they were going to get to the governor. I knew that they were going to get to Negan. I knew that they were going to get to, you know, eventually Negan's going to kill one principal primary character. I wasn't sure who it was. But that was the excitement of the show was turning in, tuning in and, and trying to decipher, oh, how are they going to do it? How are they going to do the thing I already know is going to happen, but in their own way? Right. The same thing we watched Infinity War for. We right. we know right. that they're going to snap which half of this population is going. Right. So, so I think they're they're doing a really good job of that. Again, I haven't played the video game, so I'm I'm a little bit out of this one, but by all stretch of the imagination with my thumb being so pulsed to the community of all the people, <laughs> what I'm hearing back is that they're they're knocking it out of the park in terms of this. Uh, yeah. That aspect of the adaptation from the video game to the show. So, yeah. Um I'm a big fan. Um there's a, a scene also, and I, I'm no, I'm not trying to do this, but one of my favorite things that they did to go back to the world building a little bit, they do a flashback in episode two, and it kind of shows you very briefly how the outbreak began. Mm-hmm. They talk about it a little bit in season three. They're like, oh, it probably started at a at a place that, um, and it, it's so smart the way they do it because they don't dwell on it. How it happened isn't as important as what's going on now. Right, just this thing happened. We're right. moving on. Right. And I love the the pacing of that. It's brilliant. But they say ultimately. A mold grew at a, something that you use every day, like sugar or flour, right. something like that. Sugar, flour, wheat, something, something like, like that. that. Right. And it became boxed up. People started eating it. So by Monday, they got sick. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by by a week in, boom, everyone was sick. Right. That's why everything went down all at once was because essentially it was a worldwide endemic within a matter of days. Yep. B- because of food supply and, and just the way, you know, travel in the world worked kind of thing. Kind of reminiscent of uh, recent so, events. Yeah, recent but, events. Uh, a little bit topical. We won't touch too much on that. Yeah, let's not. Um, but no, they show, I think it was either Malaysia or Indonesia. Indonesia. Indonesia, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they ask this woman, they come just pull this random woman out of a, a diner. And these military men do. And they bring her back to some, some facility, some lab. And they have them do an autopsy. And they're like, hey, if you get sick at any point, leave. And she goes in there. To yeah, the, she's like a she's like a world renowned like the, the leading fungologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know or virologist. Some some it doesn't really matter. But she cuts the the person open and she sees that there's fungus growing inside. They're like, well, the species can't can't survive in humans, right? And the people are like, mm, come take a look. So they take her into the room. Like, hey, if you feel sick at any point, leave the room. Leave the room definitely. She cuts the guy open. She sees these spores and his tongues like this little tonguey spores thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she just bails out of the room. And it cuts to later. And one of my favorite lines of dialogue in the whole show. They're like, well, she's like, why am I here? Like, if this thing's already, like... Already out there. Yeah. Then what, what's the she said, what happened? Again? And they said, well, somebody got bit. And there's 14 people unaccounted for. She's like, 14 of these people are already out? She said, yeah, we got one. He's like, well, what do you suggest we do? We brought you here to build a vaccine or yeah. something. And she goes, bomb everything. Right. Start there, dropping bombs right yeah. now. There it's, is no, there is no cure for this. We don't have. There like, is no vaccine. Fungal cures. We don't have fungal antivirals. You know that. Start kind of bombing like, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she just sighs and goes, "I want to be with my family." Yeah, she's like, "Can I go home now? Because I want to be with my family." It's, it's most gangster really, shit, yeah, man. It's this really heart touching. I mean, so brutally honest and so emotional. She's just like, "We're fucked." Yeah, there's start nothing. Bombing. There's nothing you can do now if you don't mind. I'm going to go die with my family. Yeah, she says, start uh, start bombing, stop the spread. Right, right. Like, bomb the city into, what did she say, bomb it into the dirt or bomb it into ashes? Something, something like, like that, that, yeah. 
that's the only hope you got. And I was like, damn, that's some gangster shit yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's the world we're living in right yeah, now. That's very brutal, very honest, very uh, uh, emotionally driven world. On top of everything, though, Michael and I want to talk about a very special episode, the newest episode. Amongst all this chaos, we got bamboozled uh, under, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. They snuck one in on us. One of the hoodwinked, hoodwinked, set upon. Yep, we didn't fall on Last of Us. Last of Us fell on us. us. Which, by the way, I just watched Robin Hood Men in Tights too. Ask me about that. Um, <laughs> um, dude, they snuck in a love story. Yeah, in this on episode three. Yeah, it's that, called. Uh, it's named after the Linda Ronstadt song. I can't think of it. It's um. While he while you Google it, I'll just tell you. They snuck in this fucking love story on episode three between uh, two characters, Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett. You can hear Michael tapping away hard at work. And this thing is fucking beautiful, dude. Like, legitimately. The episode was called Long, Long Time. There it is. There That's it. it. All That's right, it. cool. That was our Google dollars hard at work. You can hear <laughs> the notes we take. We just were prepared on that one. But um, yeah, man, I, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and I this is one of the most high praises I can ever say. It was as good as the beginning of Up mm-hmm. in terms of a love story mm-hmm. that makes you fucking cry. And in, and in the and in you a just very like similar fashion, you don't have to watch any of the other like you can just watch the opening of Up, and that's a movie in itself. Similarly, you don't have to have seen any episode of The Last of Us, and this is just a show unto itself. It's completely self-contained, and yet it ties in at the very last second into the story of Joel and Ellie making their trip across America, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a wonderfully isolated, beautifully shot, emotionally wrenching episode that really draws you into a character study of two people who by all rights, shouldn't get along and yet fall in love. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, two people that find hope in the most dire of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like you said, that shouldn't probably get along, would not mix normally, but whether it be due to the circumstance of there being fucking nobody else. Right, lack of options. Or whatever it might be, these two people find something so lovely in each other. And, uh, man, Bill and Frank's story is one for the books, truly. Like, it's fucking lovely. That's uh, Nick Offerman plays Bill and uh, Murray Bartlett. Yeah, Murray Bartlett plays Frank. Okay. Yeah. 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 And Nick Offerman's character, ultimately, just quick synopsis, is one of those survivalists. He has Doomsday Preppers, yeah. He has a basement underneath his basement that's hidden by a a crappy piece of furniture that mm-hmm. swings up like an attic door or whatever. Yeah, like out of Dracula's castle. Yeah, for like real. That. Yeah, and it's loaded for te- like to the teeth with guns and supplies and uh, ammunition, security cameras. Security cameras. Yeah. So when the the QZ people come to, uh, or the government comes to, like get everybody out of the cities, he doesn't go. Right. Right. So ultimately, he he is a very handy guy, and he builds this like. Safe haven amongst everything, and it's got like Michael said earlier, trip wires and flamethrowers and buzz saws yeah, and grenades essentially, essentially and tiger he, pits. He, and he turns his little town square into his own little fortress. So there's all these abandoned houses and stores and and parks and whatnot, and he just runs it all. And yeah. he he establishes this life of just solitude and and hermitude. Um, 
basically just just getting through the day to day of growing his own garden and making sure the fence is still electrified and making sure all the booby traps are still armed and that's his day to day and he he basically has this 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 ethos of if i give if if i show kindness or if if i give away what's mine then people are automatically going to interpret that as weakness yeah, also, I think that is it, the majority of it, yes. And it's also of like, and there's a joke that he says, um, because Frank, what happens is, he stumbles along one of his trip, um, one of his traps, I guess, 10 people were leaving from Baltimore, and they ended up in Frank's little neck of the woods. And and I'm sorry, Bill's out. neck of the and yeah. And so, of the nine of them are dead, and so he falls into a little pit that he had built, and Frank goes out there to kill him, and he's like, wait, wait, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. He tests him. Sure enough, he's not sick, and he kind of becomes friends. He's like, "Hey, man, can I just get something to eat?" There's a really funny line. He says, "Like, if if I feed you every bum that or or hobo that comes along here that wants a free snack is gonna want is gonna want a free meal now, and this is not an Arby's." And he's like, "That doesn't make sense. Arby's never gave away free meal. Right. It it's was a, a restaurant. restaurant. <laughs> yeah." And his point is, he's like, "Dude, I'm letting you go. I could have just killed you. Like, I'm letting you go. So go." And homeboy was pretty persistent in the sense of like, nah, man, like you can tell in this moment, like Frank forgot his humanity Bill or Bill, yeah. uh, Bill sorry, Nick Offerman forgot his humanity because he's been alone at this point. It's been four years or three right. years, whatever it is. It, it's a lot of time jumps in this. It goes three years, three years, six years, 10 years. He's been alone for three years. He's like, I don't need anybody. I'm self-sufficient. It's my whole thing here, dude. Right. right. And again, less, I know that there's no drama here now. And also, like, I'm not afraid of anything, so you can just get keep it moving, homie. But uh, Frank's ability, and this is an ability that I would hope that I have, as I'm not a very handy guy or anything like that. I don't really have any like discernible skills for survivalist. Talk about Bill. Yeah, I don't. I don't have those. Is what I'm right, saying. Right, right, right. But Frank, his ability is to sh- show his value, even though he doesn't in these circumstances have any. Sure. Socially, he's probably one of those guys that I would like to think. I think Michael and I have that a little bit of we demonstrate value by social skills, ultimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Social lubricants. Social uh, lubricants uh, and comfortabilities and empathies. Some would say and, con men. Uh, yep. Rapscallions. Yep. Uh, ne'er do wells. Ne'er do wells. Uh, why we lead the the galactic empire. <laughs> And so, well, ultimately what it is that he takes him in his house and, man, like, it, it starts this relationship of, like, dude, I don't need you. But you find out that uh, old uh, old Bill's been harboring some feelings that he has not shared yeah. with many people yeah. in his life. Turns out he is a gay man, and it turns out Frank is too. And uh, Frank shows him the wave of love. <laughs> but even before that, you... you... You see Frank slowly break down Bill's walls, like he's he's not in a malicious or 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 even a intentional way, but systematically breaking down his walls and getting to know the real person, and and also letting Bill understand who he is as a person. And so, like he, Bill understands that like this dude's not a threat. He's not here to take my shit. He's not here to do me one in or, or try to stab me in the back first chance he gets. This is actually somebody that I can trust. And they do it just through a, a, a series of, of conversations and, and breaking down the walls between each other. And so 
by the time that the, the turn happens to where they're both sexually attracted to each other, it feels really earned and it, it feels does. really genuine. It does, man. It, I, no matter how well I try to describe this, I don't know that I can do an adequate job. Yeah. Because it, I well up a lot, especially now that I'm getting older. I'll see somebody. I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've become a big old softy in my mm-hmm. old age. This had me fucked up. I was a blubbering mess. I was sitting there like talking to Angie. The dialogue is so brilliant, yeah. and the actual relationship itself is believable. And it, it, dude, I was a fucking blubbering mess at one point. And I'll, we'll go ahead and spoil that for you. But I, admittedly, I was too. Like I, I don't typically cry like at the theater. I might roll a tear or have a, yeah. a moment of like, oh, I'm a little verklempt. A little verklempt. Oh, discuss the oh, most yourselves. Discuss yourselves. SNL reference, right? Um, but this one, I literally was, eh, and he loved him, and he loves him too, and they're just so beautiful, and all they want to do is just be together and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. At one point during all of this, the, in the, the massive time jumps that they do, I think it's like three, six, eight years later, they meet... They basically cover 20 years. 20 in years day. in about an hour. So um, eventually Joel stumbles along with his partner, uh, Tess, mm-hmm. Or whatever, and they say, "Hey, look, you guys, you're right. You are self sufficient out here, but um, we have medicines, we have supplies you don't have out here." Right. He's like, "That fence you got over there, give it about two years. It's going to be corroded to nothing. I can get you aluminum spool that has this and that. You trade us a couple things here and there. Right. We hide some things here away from the QZ where you know the government can't get it, and we'll be cool." And Nick Offerman is very much so, just like uh, Frank is just, or I'm sorry, Bill. God, I'm gonna screw this up. <laughs> Nick Offerman's just like. No, fuck you. Like, no, dude. Eventually, uh, Tess and Frank kind of hit it off and they go do their thing, a right. boutique shopping or whatever. And Pedro Pascal's characters, Joel is like, look, dude, I understand. Trust me. I, I fully get it. I, I get everything that you're doing. I appreciate the self-sufficiency. But if you don't get that gun out of my fucking face, you're about to have a very serious problem. <laughs> right, right, right. And he's like, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he slowly un- un- uh, yeah, uncocks okay. it and puts it back in his pocket. And he's you like, know. okay. You know, leash the dog a little bit. Cool. Right, right, right. And so it's like you need that toughness and that tenderness that these two bring to each other. And yeah, for sure. Frank at one point. you know, It's they, a great dichotomy or a, a great mirror image of both of their relationships in terms of one of them is very pragmatic, very stoic, very matter of fact. And the other one is very much like, not, not like manic pixie, but very emotional and, and very like societal driven and the need to make connections and the need to like yeah. save hum- save the humanity not only within the- themselves but within others beautifully said absolutely absolutely um so yeah it's it's there's a scene like, uh before Joel and, and uh, Tess come over like I said there's a bunch of time jumps but they're getting it shows them kind of fast forward they're in a little a spat or whatever a lover's quarrel and he's like, what? What do you want? And he's like, I don't ask you for much. I don't ask you for much at all, do I? He's like, no, you don't, but what do you want? He's like, I want paint and I want hardware to do this. And I'm going to do it all myself. I'm asking you for a gasoline to do this, paint for this and that. And he's like, why? He's like, I want to redo the clothing boutique. I want to make it nice. He's like, this is our world and I want... I don't, the world is, is what we have here. Let's fucking improve our world. Right. And he's like, I'm not asking you for much. I'm not trying to fight you on this. And he's like, okay. He's like, and I want to do this. He's like, fine, fair enough, fine. <laughs> 
He's like, why do you want to do all this? And he's like, because we're going to host guests. He's like, no, we're not. And he's like, yes, we are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they invite Joel and Tessa. Uh, tell you what's going to happen right now. He's like, because we're going to host. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, who have you been talking to? He's like, on the radio. There's a lovely couple. You're going to meet them. Fast forward, that's where Joel and Tess come in. But And they do. They make good on their trade. And it's a, They're not even... The main character, Joel's not in this episode very much at all, mm-hmm. but it, it shows why he would insert, like, be into their world. It's like, he shows his value, he demonstrates his own, of like, dude, I'm not coming here to fucking fuck up what you got going on. I couldn't if I tried. You could have killed me ten ways right, by now. Right, right, right. But, look, there's, there's Again, opportunity. being very pragmatic, like, I know I could try and take, you know that I could come and try and take your stuff, but you also know that... I would have a very difficult time doing that. Yeah. So it's more, it's just easier for both of us if we try to communicate and just make a deal now. Yeah. Or if we can't make a deal, then we both walk away and go our separate ways and then leave each other the fuck alone. Yeah. And he told him, like, dude, uh, Joel told him, he's like, there's going to be raiders. It's not just the infected you got to wear. They're going to come quickly, quietly, in the at, night, and at night. Yep. And he's like, and you might survive the first one, but you will not continually do it. So I can help you to survive them. He's like, shit. All right. Um, and then sure enough. Sure enough. But there's a cute scene where you find out later that he traded uh, one of his guns for strawberry packet seeds. And he plant, uh, Frank plants a little garden of strawberries. And Oh, it's a really nice touching fucking scene. Fucking beautiful where, like, scene. It's his birthday or their anniversary or something. I don't think they say. I think it's just, it might just, be. Just, yeah. It just might just be, of, hey, look what I've been doing. Yeah. But, but yeah. And you, Frank, you, you believe that Frank would also be assertive enough to be like, you have your thing where you set up your cameras and you sit down in your basement all day. I need my thing that's not yours. Right. All right. No. I'm going away for two hours. I'm going to be inside the gate. Don't ask me what I'm doing. Leave me the fuck alone. And he's going right. to be like, okay, I'm not fighting you. But go ahead. Right. And, and then sure he, enough, he plants he some strawberries. Planting strawberries, and they have this really nice, like, romantic, genuine scene between them where Nick Offerman um, he sees the strawberries and he starts to like cry a little bit. Like he's he, it, it's this like really beautiful gift. And they eat them rec- together, by the way. Yeah, they, they 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 like he recognizes the sacrifice and the amount of time and effort put into this like really genuine gift of like he never thought he was going to see strawberries again, and here's this person who brought this semblance of beauty in the old world and and a little a little notion of a former life into this world of shit and that's a really beautiful thing you know like like somebody who's willing to bring a little bit of care and a little bit of nostalgia or or compassion compassion service of others man that's fucking amazing and he didn't ask anything he wasn't like hey if i do this for you we're gonna do this he just did it and they they sit down and they both enjoy a strawberry and Nick Offerman's like crying at it. Yeah. You know? It's it's this really beautiful if he doesn't win some sort of statue for this, there's a travesty. Because 100%. he They're this both is, this is Nick Offerman swinging for the fences. Maybe because I know Nick Offerman a little bit better than I do the other actor. Right. And I think maybe it's it might be a, a Laurel and Hardy situation where like the wild man or, or the comedic man always gets more noticed than the straight man, but it takes a good straight man to make a good comedic man. Very true. Um, and there's some great dialogue that uh, Murray Bartlett, as Frank, gets to rattle off. And Nick Offerman. They, they play off each other incredibly well. Yeah. They, they Real on-screen chemistry. He, when he first meets him, he goes and sees the piano. He's like, oh my God, is this a custom whatever, whatever? Do you know how much this is worth? He's like, 
given the circumstances, right. nothing now. Cur- currently, nothing. Currently, nothing. But <laughs> a lot of good dialogue. Even when he trades the gun for the strawberry packets, he got Nick Offerman gets a little bit upset. He's like, "Which one?" He goes, "It was a little one." <laughs> like, it was like a real moment. He's like, "Okay, I lost." You it. know what the tie into that was? Which one? That was Tess's gun. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense now, hey? Yeah, yeah, see? Michael's filling in the gaps here, what you've been watching. I mean, I, I just noticed that, like, I noticed that Tess had a gun, and, and there was a line where Pedro Pascal said something about, where'd you get that? She said, eh. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, good job. Good eye on that one, yeah. man. Yeah, dude. Um, so, yeah, so now to the, the gut-wrenching part. So they, they established this wonderful love story of, of this, and... Fast forward 10 years later, and you find out it just jumps to, and uh, Frank is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like he's in the best of health. Yeah. Um, there's a scene earlier um, where Nick Offerman's character, Bill, got shot, and you thought, oh my God, he's going to die here. Nope. Fast forward like 10 years later, he's up walking around, and the other dude is in a wheelchair. Uh, Frank is. And they never really address what the disease is, but it's, it's either... ALS, cancer. Yeah, some sort of like debilitating... Yeah, something. Um, and that kind of goes on for the full day. And you see the, the the amount of love in which he shows this guy, um, Nick Offerman, to this Murray Bartlett, how he's like picking him up, carrying him upstairs, putting him in bed, getting him up in his wheelchair. And you see him go to sleep together at night. And then you see Murray Bartlett just in his wheelchair and, by and himself. On a, on a side note, just may I interrupt? They do a really good job of aging them through the entire series so that you can see the progression of, like, at the beginning of the series, Nick Offman looks like, a, I don't know, mid-30s, maybe early 40s, something like that. Yeah. And by the end of the show, they've aged him and grayed him out so much and taken off the makeup and making him look more sullen. So he looks, I mean, maybe 65, 70. Whoever the, the makeup the artist, whoever the makeup artist is for this show is fucking brilliant. I mean, he literally cor- looks like two different characters. Well, I don't mean just that, but even just the cordyceps alone, like oh, the, the yeah. infected, yeah. look fucking like, you know, those little like mushroom that hang out of giant trees or something like that. As you'll mm-hmm. see, it like, looks like that on their face. It's fucking brilliant, whoever yeah. the makeup artist is. So good, good on you for pointing that out, that yeah, the makeup's yeah. well done. But uh, ultimately what you do is you find out that Frank is dying. And he pretty much, and this is going to be, again, I'm not going to do it justice. So right. please do not do, oh, well, I heard what happened, so don't watch it. Don't be that person. You go owe it to yourself it. to go watch it. I'm, you, I'm you giving will this. You be absolutely entranced by this. Yeah, it's, this is brilliant. And um, you, he, this, this is television making at its finest. At its finest. This is storytelling. This is, like I said, I'm, I'm putting this up there with like Dracula as a love story or like the first 10 minutes up of like, right, holy right. fuck, I was moved And by like that. I said, you don't have to know anything about the rest of the series. They give you all the information you need, you need to know within the episode itself. Right. And it's a perfect standalone episode. If you watch no other episode of this series, watch this one. Right. No. Fully agree. Yeah. Unless there's they got something in the works. Unless they got something in the works. I don't know. But so, so far, far, this is going to be really fucking hard to top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you find out Homeboy's sick, and you find out he puts himself in the wheelchair, and Nick Offerman gets all upset. Oh, why'd you do that? Pretty much what he tells him is, long story short, is like, today's going to be my last day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sick. I'm not getting any better. And, you know, Nick Offerman, well, what if, what if? And he's like, what? An MRI salesman's going to come door to door on right. this? They, they didn't have a cure for this before, before the whole the world shit went to shit. Yeah. So what makes you think that all of a sudden some snake oil salesman's going to come through with a miracle cure? Like, yeah. And he's like, okay, fair enough. And Frank, it, it's so beautiful. And I'm going to butcher the dialogue, but he says, like, I've thought about this long and hard. This is what's going to happen. 
I'm going to get up. He's like, we're going to go downstairs and you're going to cook me toast. Because that's, right? that's what I want. He's like, then we're going to go to the boutique and we're going to get dressed and you will wear what I pick out for you. Then we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to take me home and you're going to cook an incredible dinner. I got goosebumps right now. Yeah, I'm telling you. He's like, you're going to cook me an incredible dinner. And like then you I'll, always do. Like you always do. Right. right. And then you're going to crush these pills up. You're going to put them in my wine. You're going to take me to bed, and I'm going to die in your arms. Goddamn, I almost cried just thinking about it. Yeah, dude. And fucking Nick Offerman resisted at first. He's like, no, 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 no. But not just resisted. They keep cutting to his face. Like, oh, my God. Like, like, Frank lays out one section of the plan, and then they cut to Nick Offerman. And then he lays out another section of the plan, and they cut to Nick Offerman. And you can just see his face breaking down the the the... The, the knowledge as he oh. understands what's happening, what his what his best friend and lover is asking him to do. He's asking the most logical man, which logically is to be, yes, put me down, please. Right. Put me out of my misery. And now the roles have switched. He's like, dude, I'm being logical and you're the one driven by the emotion. Right, yeah. It's this it's beautiful, yeah, this beautiful twist of fate where... Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, like he's, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. It's, yeah, now all of a sudden Nick Offerman is the emotional one. And, and the whole thing is so subversive. The whole fucking yeah, episode yeah. really is. But it's also right in your face the whole time, too. And Nick Offerman ultimately, like, and you see him come to terms with it, the acting he does in the sense of, like, hey, I'm coming to terms with this. And Frank has this line of dialogue. He says something along, along the lines of, like, hey, man, I've thought long and hard about this. I've had a lot of bad days. Right. I've had a lot of good days. Right. I've also had a lot of bad days with you. Right. I'm asking you for one more good day. God and it fucking son. makes you cry, dude. God it's damn. it's so fucking good. It's beautiful. It really is. And it's, he tells it's him, this brilliant piece of dialogue that's so succinct and so poignant and so so direct to everything that I that I think is a universal truth of yeah. just like I I just if it's your last day and you know it, you just want it to be a fucking good Could it be one. A good day, just one good day. And Nick, the Offerman, last good day, exactly. Just, that's it. And he's like, I just want one good day with you. And he says, Nick Offerman, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he's like, Look, I'm just asking you to love me the way that I want to God be loved. It. And it's so, I'm, I'm about to cry talking about it. It is so fucking beautiful. Yeah. And I, I am just, it was just the most love some me of, the way I need you to love I need me. You to love me. That's it, dude. That's, that's all it. I'm asking you today. Come to find out. Everything that he said was going to happen happens. And don't, then, don't give away the twist. Okay, I won't give away the twist. All right. Don't but just watch it. If I haven't hooked you by now, there's yeah. there's still one more twist in the down the pipeline. But it is one of the most brilliant love stories I've ever seen. And again, please don't just not watch it because oh, you heard it on what you've been watching. Those two morons no, no, talk no. about and it. Go go the other way. Like yeah. lean into watch, this. Yeah. Please watch it because we're telling you it's so fucking good. And we're doing it a disservice by I, describing it so crudely. There is no way that I could explain this to you and have you understand exactly how good it is. It's all I can do is I can either undersell it or oversell it, and either way, it's a disservice to you. So right. right. I, I can't talk about it anymore because at this point I'd just be repeating the same things. And Which just... we, we will love to do. <laughs> right, right. But but otherwise I'm going to oversell it and and it's going to turn into like, well, no, it's hyped up too much so I can't watch it. Like, no, just go watch it. Go. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to review it. I'm going to let you do that. You write us in at what you've been watching podcast at gmail.com. Please send us your review of episode three of The Last of Us. That's right. All right. 
And we will we will read that on air, and we'll let you know what the, you, the people, you, the legions, think about Dear it. Dear Witch, you've been watching. Dear Witch, you've been watching. Oh, hit us with the Casey Case. That's on. The, that's on a certain card that I'm not supposed to reference anymore. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, so um, pivoting off of that, do you want to take a break real quick? Yeah, let's uh, hear from our sponsor, psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah, psilocybin. We're on hey. mushrooms and fun guys. Turns out there's some good mushrooms out there. We'll be back. <laughs> And thank you from our sponsor. I believe you mentioned something about fun guys. Hey, you see where I wanted to go with that. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, off of The Last of Us and on to um, The Menu. Oh. The Menu. Yeah, yeah, something we, we both saw recently. Yeah. I'd I, be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, I I was uh, surprised by it, to be honest. I thought it was going to be one thing, and it is not. I By the way that the trailer rolled, um, I thought it was going to be like, Soylent Green is people. See, I thought it was going to be more of a saw or like hostile type thing, where it was just like ver- people being tortured in various ways through kitchen instruments. Like somebody put their hand in the blender, somebody has to like run their hand over the mandolin, you know, somebody, like, has to put their elbow in the slicer. I don't know. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have bad dreams about it. I've seen some <laughs> horrific accidents working at Sonny's. Me it too, It is bad, bro. some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It traumatized me, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I would watch that. So, I'm glad to say it is not either one of those it things. It is not. It is it definitely is... more of a psychological uh, thriller. It's a very dark comedy, too. Very dark comedy. Very, yes. Yeah. But it is, it is a, a dark comedy, though. Yeah. I, I don't... I thought it was going to be like I said, um, where it was like, oh, all these people are dying and we're and we're killing people to serve them on this menu, this elusive menu, and that's not what it is. Um, that, uh, we're going to spoil this movie too, so if you haven't seen it, go watch the menu. We'll give Hold you a on. couple seconds. Wait, wasn't that good? Pretty fucking good, right? Good, right? Pretty fucking good. Wasn't Ray Fiennes good? He fucking is always good, though. <laughs> he does a good thing in that movie where he smiles ever so slightly. Because um, he's been manufacturing this smile in the hospitality industry yeah. for a very long time. Oh, I'm very familiar with that and smile. And the fake sir. smile. He, he does it a lot, and it's perfect in this movie. And um, at the end, when he cracks the real one, when he cooks the cheeseburger. Woo! It's great. Yeah. Crazy. But anyways, we'll get into that. Spoilers. Oh, yeah, spoiler. But um, it, um, if you've ever worked in a restaurant or a hotel or in retail or anything like that or any kind of customer service or any hospitality industry really at all this movie is for you yeah it really really is it really is in the same way that like fight club is for disenfranchised uh masculine men yes yeah like it's not something to be celebrated you shouldn't look at this as like yeah that's what i want to do but it's a darker image of that in terms of i got what you're saying now i got you now yeah, no. I, if I could get away with it, this is what I would do. Yeah, so Ray Fiennes uh, runs this very elusive, exclusive restaurant that brings these people out there. to The this, Hawthorne. The Hawthorne, yes. And everything is locally sourced on this island, and it's owned by some angel benefactor or whatever. And uh, this, I forget what his name is, but... Um, so they invite these people out there on this island to... Well, everything's sourced and grown on the island, and it's like the most... Elite food you'll ever eat. Yeah, it's in like your life. I think they said it was something like twelve hundred or fourteen hundred dollars a, a, a plate. plate. Twelve fifty a plate. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why that number stuck with me, but because <laughs> I thought it was weird. I was like, huh. Very uh, specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, you could see people paying that for like 
somebody of the Gordon Ramsay or Emeril Lagasse type caliber uh, restaurateur, you know, like somebody who's paying so much for the the exclusive exclusivity of the of the restaurant. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is. It's it's not without the realm of possibility that a bunch of rich snobs only want to eat somewhere because it's so exclusive and you know illustrious I mean? and yeah. illustrious and well you know whatever. So ultimately, what it is is it's only twelve people at a time, and you're slowly introduced to each of these characters one by one. They're all very flawed um, for different reasons, and in the sense of this, it is kind of like Saw, where it, where it's not somebody dishing out vengeance because of the sins of their past. It's People that are fucking ruin douchebag A. This person's a douchebag for this reason. This person's a douchebag for this reason. This person's a liar and a cheat for this reason. Yeah. But collectively, people like this have just taken the joy out of culinary artistry. And that that's kind of one of my problems with the movie is that other than uh, Anna Taylor Joy, uh, what's her? I, I forget her name. Uh, uh, Margot. Margot. What's well, her fake name? That she right. Has. Margot. She has a hidden character. We won't spoil it, but Margot. Um, other than her, everyone else in the movie is completely unlikable. Like, from the jump. Like, she's the only one where we're kind of on the fence about in terms of, yeah, she's kind of a bitch. She's kind of pragmatic. She's a little bit... Immature. Immature. Um, but it's still miles away the best qualities out of anybody else in the whole sh- in, the, in, in the whole movie. Yeah, they lean into it a little bit. It, it is a little bit tropey in the sense of like a horror movie is like you can tell the people that are going to die that you uh-huh. don't like. They set it up off the rip. Right. And it's only an hour and 47 minutes. So it ain't like they had a lot of time. Oh, it's to a play. quick in and out. Yeah, and it, it's it ain't pretty that brisk. bad. So, um, I do like how during the entire movie they set up, the, the movie is told in sequential chapters and they set up each chapter as if it was a. Uh, as First entree. Of, yeah, yeah. So they start off with the with the appetizer. That's chapter one. Then chapter two is first course. Then chapter three is second course. And then until they work themselves into the dessert finale main course, whatever. Um, so it's it's broken down in, in really sequential order. And it, each chapter delves more and more into the psychosis of it all, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's It definitely... Ups the ante, like, by the time the actual main course, the entree, gets out, everything's pretty much on the table as right. what's happening. He's like, we are all going to die here tonight. And they're like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, we're all going to die here tonight. One of my favorite lines in the movie is, like, later they separate the men and the women at the at the table. And um, the women try to, like, appeal to one of the sous chefs. They're like, like, what do you want? You want money? You want your own restaurant? We can get you out of here. Like, you don't have to go through with this. And she's like, no, actually... All of us dying tonight was my pitch, and I'm so glad it went through. And right. they go, ah, fuck it, where's the wine? <laughs> and I'll start right. the I'm really just proud of that one. Yeah. 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 Well, never mind. Yeah, this lowly sous chef who is only wants to rise above her station and leave her mark on the cul- you know the culinary world, and the best she can come up with is like, what if we all just died together? That's the meal. That's the menu. The yeah. menu must go together. There must so, be a spoilers. Theme. Yeah, that's the whole thing is like the menu has to be pulled together by a theme and it's the fact that everyone's going to die tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ray Fiennes has been, you can tell, had the joy sucked out of him um, <clears throat> over the years of the hospitality industry, and in especially in the restaurant industry itself. It'll do it to you. 
hundred percent. And they yeah. do a good job. Brandon Holt's in the movie as well. Obviously, Anna Taylor. Nicholas Joy. Holt. Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Sorry. What did I yeah. say? Brandon, Brandon Holt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Holt's in it. Um, uh, Anna Taylor Joy obviously crushes it. Um, but each Johnny Legs, by the way, Johnny John, Legs. Johnny Legs. How am I? Talking about Johnny Legs. John Legwazamo himself. Talking about Spawnses. Spawnses. From Clowns. The Violatorses. He's in it. One of my favorites. One of the all time executive decisions. Yeah. <laughs> talking about motherfucking Carlitos way. Benny Blanco from the Bronx. <laughs> Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Yeah. No, so he's in it. And he's a what you've been watching. Hall of Famer. Right. There's your jingle. Hall of Famer. <laughs> there it is. I'll work on it. We're, we're, you know, workshopping it now, but hey. <laughs> and they're all like, for example, like Brand uh, Nicholas Holt's character. Uh, you find out he's a foodie. Like he's so enthused by food. And he actually really knows the shit. He's very knowledgeable on it. But... He's just some he's some like mid tier blogger or something like that. Well no, that. he's just he's just enthused by food, whatever he is, and he's just like, Oh, I, I love food, I love food, it's it's so captivating to me. And eventually what happens is um Ray Fines brings him back to the kitchen. He's like, You really know your stuff. I noticed that you pointed out the smoky wood flavor earlier. And you noticed this too. Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, I sure did, yeah. So we'll come back here. You're you're with us now. You're in the kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah. And they put and a jacket on. They put him. a jacket on him. He writes it like his name on it. Whatever. Personalize it for personalize you. Personalize it for you. And he's like, now cook. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, what do you need? He's like, what do you want me to cook? He's like, whatever you want. Right. We have it. Yep. He's like, uh, and you can tell, like, oh shit, he's doing he's this to embarrass him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, get me, get me leeks. Leeks. Okay. Cool. Okay. Go, go, go. Oh, innovative. How innovative. innovative. Leeks. Onion. Oh, shallots. Oh. oh. Okay. He's like he's mocking him. He's like chopping in a way in which we have just been ignorant to our whole oh, life. His knife skills were atrocious. Yeah. By the way, that, like, was, that was one of the few things that like the, the the subtle nuances that I noticed where I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. The, the watching watching somebody shaky. who knows how to cut things watch someone who doesn't know how to cut things <laughs> is. Yeah. It's a simple joy of like, ooh, I know exactly what your level is right now. Yeah. And he's sitting there mocking him. He's like, ooh, oh, butter. Ooh, never been done before. Revolutionize. It, it's one of the, like, it's a it's an industry tell where, like, just as someone who has worked in, and I'm not, I'm not claiming to be, you know, Emeril Lagasse or, or Anthony Bourdain or whatever, but, like, I know a few things about a few things, and you can sort of tell when somebody's out of their element. Oh, yeah. He's and, trembling and, in fear the whole time, too. Because all he wants to do is be liked by this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's so dedicated to... it. It's almost like obsessive patronage. You know, yeah. like he's, he's so obsessed with... He's the greatest artist ever, and he's, he's so innovative, and he's so avant-garde, and yet he knows nothing about the subject, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, ultimately, is what it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. And after he gets done making, he, he cooks this lamb undercooked, and he serves it to uh, Ray Fiennes, and he's like, ooh, he's like a palate unknown. Butter and shallots and leeks and lamb and a dish, ooh. And he takes one bite, and he's like, this is terrible. He's like, and he starts to cry. He's like, and he pulls him aside, and he whispers something to him. He's like... We never know what it is. Well, well, he says something to him before he whispers to him, but he's just like, you are the reason that all the joy has gone from my artistry. All he said, all the mystery of my artistry has been taken out by people like you. Right. And he's just like fuck. And then he whispers something to him. You want to tell him what happens to him? Or uh, we see Nicholas Holt take off his chef's jacket, and he says, "Yes, chef," and walks off stage. And we later see him hanging in the meat freezer, <laughs> dangling, <laughs> dangling because he couldn't handle being rejected by this by yeah. his favorite artist. It's almost as if, like, 
I don't know, like you you dedicated your life to learning everything about Mick Jagger and and you you just wanted to meet him so bad and you paid for your your backstage tickets and then he asked you to play your favorite Rolling Stones song and you can't name one. You know, it's it's that type of level. You could tell Mick Jagger his entire Wikipedia story, but you can't name your favorite Rolling Stones song in the moment. It's kind of the gatekeeping thing. Like yeah. ultimately in the sense of like you know, like for for to use it in, in our world, uh, like the Marvel comic book stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I read the books and I did all this, and then you have somebody just jump on the internet and go, Oh, it's this and that and the third, and you're just like all the Dear fucking Ada jo- cool news. Psylocke wouldn't look like that because yeah. she would be boo boo boo. Well, it's not I just think that casting her was a mistake. Well, and- I don't mean in that way. I just mean in the sense of like you get somebody that's that's really dedicated to the work to learn the hows and whys of why comic books work, mm-hmm. and then somebody just comes along and it's like. Oh, well, I know everything about this because I, I just read it on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dude, I've fucking been reading this shit for years. Like, right, right, right. It's right. fucking exhausting. And you're like, dude, all right, man. Like, people like you fucking take the joy out of it. You know? Sure, yeah. And then yeah, you're yeah. like, and you, oh, well, it should be this way. And you're like, yeah, you noticed that because you've been told by IGN.com that that's that Easter egg. Right. So now you're a fucking, and, it, and it's, it's gatekeeping, and I know we shouldn't do it, but it does take the joy out of things. Like, a band gets too big. And then it's like you can't enjoy the band anymore. That's sure, kind of, sure. Well, I knew them back when they were still yeah. selling. Maybe it's a bad analogy, but uh. no, no, no. It, it, but but it is. It's 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 people who insert themselves into the art just simply because it's popular right. or it's the thing to do without actually dedicating themselves to understanding like the time and effort it took to build right. that art. That's you much know? better said what I'm trying to get uh, at. It, it's, it's, you can name every Beatles album in sequential order, track by track, and yet you've never learned to play guitar. You don't you've, tr- never, you've never been truly inspired to actually just learn a Beatles song. You don't like, truly appreciate what I do. It's right. like you, you love it on paper because it makes you sound smart and sophisticated. Sure, yeah. So everyone in the party of these 12 people, you all kind of learn he has a beef with. Um, there's like a group of super douchey Wall Street guys that show up and find out they've been stealing money from the guy who, the benefactor of the restaurant. Right, right. They basically work for, they're, they're mid-level management types who work for the main owner of the restaurant. Of the island, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the corporate overlord owner of the restaurant. Um and they're just there because of the exclusivity or because it's the new trendy place and it's really going to kick us up a notch in the social status to find, you know, when we tell people that we ate at the Hawthorne. Yeah. Like they're not there for the food. They're not there for the experience. The status. They're, yeah. they're, they're there for the status. Yeah. yeah. The steal money and yeah, all that shit, man. Fucking bunch of douchers. Um, so he is a little bit like Jigsaw in that way, um, in the sense of like, yeah. there, there's, it doesn't merit him killing people, but... Um. And then, you know, Johnny Legs is is the actor who's there only because he's trying to pitch a new... He's trying to revitalize his career. He's there to pitch a new series where he does like an Anthony Bourdain or yeah. Andrew Zimmerman kind of thing where he travels and talks about different food and different cultures and different experiences. But then he's just he, a hack, really. Yeah, but but then when he tries to explain his pitch, he's like, well, I don't know, I show up at a place, they get a couple of shots of me with the desert and the sunrise, and I'm eating camel hump or whatever the fuck, and then I say some poignant shit that the writers wrote for me, and we cut to credits, you yeah. know? Pretty much, that's almost verbatim what he says. Yeah. Not really, but point for point, though, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so it's it's all these reasons why people take the joy out of out of the hospitality industry. There's a food critic there who uh, there's a really brilliant scene where they, they serve tacos and they're laser printed uh, yeah. on, on each tortilla, and it's photos of them. Like one guy's been cheating on his wife at the same restaurant. He's like, "Why am I here?" And he's like, "You've been to this restaurant." His wife goes seven times. He's like, nine times, eleven times. Right, right, right. right. He's like, "Name one thing. Name one dish that you had from any previous time that you've been here." He's like the cod. He's like it was halibut. You stupid donkey. Right. His right, insults right. are great. Yeah, yeah. And then he basically talks about how she's like, "Well, what the fuck does it matter?" He's like, "It matters to the halibut. It matters to the cook that raised that halibut yep. and filleted in a particular way to to maximize the flavor and seasoned it to perfection and cooked it exactly to your order. It matters to them." You know, I beautifully said, geez, you're, I should do this more often. <laughs> I'm very passionate about my food. No, I get you, man. So, um, and that's, there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, like I said, the food critic was there and like they laser printed some of her reviews, which shut down restaurants. Like right. you're like, dude, you came in, you wrote some wordy shit and you just, you shit on everybody. And because people, and your assistant's here and he's a little yes man and you enable her, like you need right. to die too. He's consistently like making his opinion and she's like, actually, and he's like, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. John Leguizamo's date is so funny. She's like, "Why am I here?" She's like, "She's like, did you go to school somewhere?" He's like, "Yeah, I went to Brown, which is a very prestigious school." Right. She goes, "Do you have any student loans?" No. no. You deserve. To yeah, die. you need to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really funny show. Yeah, you need to die. You're entitled. <laughs> so, uh, but like the food critics there, and he's got all that shit printed out, and so it's not like he he kills them each in a creative way. It's not like Jigsaw in that way, but he does kind of like. You people fucking have ruined this shit for right. me. And he, he admits openly, he's like, I have learned, like I've seen through the veil now. He kills the guy who owns the island. And he's like, I've seen through the veil now. I have chosen. Yeah, we're spoiling it. <laughs> I have chosen a life to try to please people which can never be pleased. Right. Yeah. And I choose this. And I've chosen, and I've right. fucking, the gig is up. You unappreciative fucking people. And there's so much good dialogue. Um, even like the the waitress, I forget her name. She was um, in The Watchmen. Um, she's Korean in The Watchmen. I don't know if that's oh right. oh yeah yeah. Um, I forget her name. She's in the Watchmen TV anyway, show. Yeah yeah. The, she, she's the not the maitre d, but the, basically the head server. Pretty much yeah. And she always say, even when crazy shit's happening and people are dying, she's like, "Please let me help you back to your chairs." Right. Which in like silver spoon like traditional training, think about what she says. Please, she, I'm asking you. To let me help you back to your chair. Oh yeah, so, always, like, always the consummate host, always yeah. thinking of the guests, never letting them know what's going on in the back of the kitchen as far as yeah. problematically. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, and it's just it's so wonderful in the sense of like, dude, I've I've lived my life, and I, I try to um, without getting into it too much. One of the things that helps keep me sober is uh, I try to do acts of service. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it is times where you just like, why the fuck do I sign up for this? People are so fucking unappreciative and. That's actually what I, I'm not currently in the hospitality industry, but Michael can tell you I'm certified. I've paid my dues in it. I've worked at fucking many a restaurants and I've paid my dues. But um, even in like I folded laundry at a laundromat recently and trust me, it's like you ask yourself at some point like, why do I do this? But you kind of miss it in a weird way. But it's like you literally have signed up the contract is to be like, you're just going to run across people right. that you can't fucking please. Right. And if you are yeah. truly in the hospitality industry, and you truly, if, if not, get out of this industry now. Get out of the field because it's not for you. If you are truly good at it, you look at someone and you're like, while you are here, I am so invested in you and whatever you got right. going on. And right. it is my job to acquiesce to whatever thing you got going on. 
and I'm here for you. And if I can make your day better by that, then I fucking did a great job. But and, also, it is, and it's rewarding in itself. But also on the flip side of that is sacrificing your integrity and sacrificing yep. your artistic vision. Because one of the things that struck me was every meal that they brought out, like every chapter they brought in a new meal, and they would they would do a brief scene where they would go table to table and everybody would give their opinion on the meal. And they were all so varied and so wildly different. And some people would be like... Like, for instance, he, he serves a, 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 bre- a, a, breadless. a breadless bread. Yeah. You know, where, where it's basically all the accoutrements and, and sauces and flavors that go with bread, but without the bread. And it's it's literally on like an artist palette kind of thing, you know, yeah. like one of those flat boards. And it's just a little dab of sauce, a little dab of this, a little dab of that. And people are eating it. And one of them's like, this is so dumb. Why wouldn't you just serve the bread with it? And the other one's like, this is so amazing to understand the flavors and the the the, the different the different subtleties of, of all the different flavors of bread without the actual bread. So it just, it reminded me that in the service industry, everyone knows what they want, but they don't know what they want. It, it's the equivalent of like, to put it in a, in, a, in a very real perspective, people who order a medium rare burger and then you serve a medium rare burger and there's, you know, blood dripping out of Lots it. Lots of blood. And people look at it and they go, uh, that's raw. And you're like, well, no, that's what you asked for. That's what, that's the thing that you requested. If you did want a medium rare burger, maybe you should have ordered a medium well burger. If you didn't want blood, then that's what you should have asked for. I know you know what you want, but you don't know what you want. Perfectly said, man. And it, it's that frustration of, of, I've dedicated myself to this craft to understand exactly how to do the thing you're asking for, but you got to ask for the thing you're asking for, or just let me do my thing, experience it, and then you can comment on it and be like, eh, wasn't my flavor, but I like this aspect of it, or not, or whatever. Just if you're signing up for an experience, or if you're signing up for a piece of art, if you're signing up for a movie, a, 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 a meal, a, a, an, a, an art exhibit, a, a play, anything. You sign up for what they present to you. Right. You, you have absolutely every right to complain and say, ah, it wasn't particularly my flavor. But you don't have the right to criticize and say, that was done wrong. Yeah. You got to let the thing be the thing. Exactly. There's a chef here in Tallahassee, and um, he's had a, he's been pretty successful, and uh, really nice guy actually. Shout out to Chef Dustin. I know, right? Shout out to Chef Dustin. I'm not talking about you, here, buddy. <laughs> but I, I actually really respect this a lot. He has a menu that changes, you know, every couple weeks. He'll rotate whatever's fresh, whatever's good. Has a nice charcuterie board. The one thing he won't do, and I know a lot of people Turn joke. That's into a charcuterie. <laughs> It's uh, my backup <laughs> career plan Michael just mentioned, but we'll talk about that at a different podcast. Maybe a mailbag episode with real questions. But um, And I know there's always a joke, like there are no substitutions. I understand some of that, but if you're, you know, but somebody will be like, hey, I want this dish, but I really don't like onions. Can you take the onions out? And he's like, no, no, I can't. The onions pair with the blue cheese and the blue cheese pairs with the blackened steak so like if you don't want the onions 
We have four other things on the menu right. that don't have onions in them. Right. Don't order it with the fucking like no like. Hey, I want a quesadilla, but no cheese. Well, madam, you don't want a quesadilla. You want a taco. Yeah, that's what you want. Or you want just chicken or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want a flauta. Like yeah, flauta, yeah. You don't want a quesadilla. That's not the thing you want because the whole point of a quesadilla is the cheese. That's where the queso comes in the quesadilla. Yeah. Um. And so ultimately, it's it's all these things. And Michael and I could go on a rant about all the, all the good and bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, of, I, can... I could regale you with tales of my own hospitality frustrations. As a general manager, one time I sat down and somebody asked me what was on the menu, and I was like, "Oh, it's two hot dogs. It comes with this and the third. And she started quoting the menu to me. And I go, "Ma'am, I don't know how the menu is worded verbatim." And I'm, and she's like, "You're the general manager. You don't even know what's on your menu." And I was like, "This That's dumb not bitch." What I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. And like, she laughed at me in my face, and I was just like, I had to sit there and take it. And it was just one of those things that was like, "You, I am out here serving you, like as the general manager. Like I'm running this whole show. I'm cooking everything. Do it, and you're laughing in my face right. because I don't know." exactly how it's worded on the menu when I memorize the entire thing top to bottom. Yep. And tell you everything that comes with it, like how it's played, everything else about it. And I was just like, who the fuck are you? It's moments like that that you just understand. Like, you people, while you are the lifeblood of this, are also the absolute worst part about this, too. 100%. Yeah. So, it's... Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. There's... Anna Taylor-Joy, you find out, she kind of gets a pass in this one because she works in the service industry as well. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, if you get what I'm getting at. and um, She's very serviceable. Very serviceable. So, uh, yeah. It's a very old profession. Maybe one of the oldest professions. <laughs> That's right. She might not do that, but she's definitely a call girl for sure. Um, <laughs> an escort, as it were. So, um, and they kind of like start to say like you're you're in this too. You're either with them or you're with us. So you can either be you're either a giver, and that's what we are, or you're a taker, right. and you're with them. And slowly but surely, she's on the fence about it, and she finds the one thing that like she kind of reveals. Ray finds like secret. Uh, she's not supposed to go into the chef's house. She goes into the chef's house. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, finds the out secret he, origins. And, yeah, and yeah, his whole. Uh, episode zero kind of thing. Yeah, and she finds a photo of him flipping some patties. And he's got this giant smile on his face just with a old school spatula, a good flat top grillet. Or apron that skillet, says kiss the cook. Kiss the cook kind of thing. And he's happy as shit, Ray finds is. And at the very end of the, the thing, like she ends up getting away because she claps her hands, whatever. It's like, all right, chef, you say all these things. You say that this is your masterpiece, that it has to end in death. And he's like, we're all dying tonight, whatever. It's like, but let me tell you this. If you said tonight's about hard truths, your food has been very shallow, very boring. Pretentious. You, you've been pretentious. You have taken the joy out of me eating. Right. And quite frankly, I'm still hungry. Which ties into the very first, very first thing he says when he introduces himself to the group. He says, I don't want you to eat. I want you to experience. Yeah. I want you to, to taste. To taste, to enjoy, to this, that, the other. This whole long diatribe about, like, don't just eat my food. And she's like, you know what? Sometimes I just want to, I just eat. Want to eat. Yeah, it's comforting to just eat. Right. And so she she slams that back in his face. And then the ultimate slam duck. And she goes, and you know what? I'm still hungry. Right. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, I, I what would you like? I'd like a cheeseburger. She's like, oh, he's like, oh, I'll make you a cheeseburger. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't want any of this artisanal fusion bullshit. Right. I want a fucking cheeseburger. A classic, classic American cheeseburger. American cheeseburger. And he's like, 
He's like, what kind of cheese? American. He's like, yeah, American cheese is the best kind for a cheeseburger because it melts without splitting. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know too. Right. I'll make you a cheese. Right. Okay, make me a cheeseburger then. Right. And he, not on a brioche bun. Not on a brioche on bun. bun. And he's like, a traditional one. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And so he kind of gets the joy back in that moment of just like, oh, fuck, that's what it's all about. And it was a moment I could Cooking truly- for the joy of making people happy eating your food. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the joy. That's 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 the the joy of art is I made a thing, people enjoy the thing, I'm satisfied. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the that that's the the true heart of the entire movie is how do you maintain your sanity and your credibility and your passion? Your passion without selling out and without trying to cater to the people who quote unquote matter and just keeping it to yourself and making your thing, your thing. Yeah. So I love going to a restaurant, like a little breakfast nook and they got like, we got eggs, pancakes, bacon, sausage, French toast. And it's like eight things. And you're like, I fucking love this place. Cause so you, you know exactly what you are. You just described waffle house. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, yeah. I but did. also that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know what you are and it's like, Fuck it. If you don't want this food, don't come here. But these things that we got, we're going to hook it up with. Yeah. And you're going to get the personal touch. We've got orange juice, coffee, and a few other things working. That's what we got here. And you're like, I fucking like this place because you know what you are. So I, I actually really dug it, though. It was um, a nice little love letter to the, the hospitality industry and um, just being in service in general. Um, so I will give it a six-course meal. A six-course meal. Six-course meal. I, I very much so enjoyed it. I am going to give that um, one basket of gluten-free breadsticks. Tough, uh, tough critique, actually. Uh-huh. Tough critique. You okay. see my point? Yeah. Okay. I got you. I'm with you. Um, well, yeah. No, the menu. I definitely would recommend it, though, personally. So, um, very funny, though. Uh, Johnny Legs. Johnny Leguizamo. It's got all the makings <laughs> of everything I like. It's about food. It's got Johnny Legs in it. He does cool. It's shit. like an hour and forty minutes, so it's yeah, in and out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, there's some other things we were going to talk about. We could talk some Weekend at Bernie's. We could talk Robin Hood Men in Tights, but we Ooh. might just save it. Let's just save it for next time. Save it for next time. Why not? Well, that's what it is. Um, that's where we're at. Well, that's always, as always, my brother, it is truly a pleasure. I enjoy doing this with you, man. And I always appreciate better. your your uh, your take on things. So, without further ado, uh, for the marvelous Mike Duds, I am the MD3 signing out. Um, I would recommend that you go watch a movie. And above all... Talk about it with someone you love. And, you know what? Go have a meal over it. Why not? Deuces.